I'd like to give everyone a, a warm welcome as we meet to, to worship our God, whether we're here in the building or whether you are joining us online. Let's just commit our time to our God in prayer. Father God, we, we want to worship you. We want to come and praise you. We want to come and learn from you. We acknowledge that you are our God. And we pray for the Holy Spirit's help to enable us to do all those things. We pray that tonight will be a time that we feel that we have met with you and you have met with us. We pray that you'd keep us from any distracting thoughts so our focus would be on you. Amen. We're going to carry on with our series tonight that Mark is doing on friendship and today the title is Friendship and Learning from the Best. Learning from the Best. Our first song is Only a Holy God and we remember that God is not our mate but what a wonderful thing that through Jesus he wants to be our friend too. Let's stand and sing. Who else commands all the hosts of heaven? chosen for us that he's going to use this evening, two in the Gospel of John and one in the Gospel of Luke. And our first reading is John 13. So John chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. 
If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And then into John 15, a couple of chapters on, verses 12 to 17. Verses 12 to 17. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. And then our third reading is in Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. Jesus said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbours, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And we look forward to Mark opening those passages up to us a little bit later. If I was to say we're going to do a series on friendship, what would be the first song, the first hymn you thought, ah, We're probably going to sing that one. And now is the time we're going to sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Now this is a well-known hymn. It's a well-known song. But actually, every time I sing it, I'm convicted. Because is Jesus the first person I go to when there's any trouble? Or do I go to someone else? As we sing it, let's um, think that Jesus is our friend. Let's stand as the music starts.
shall come to our friend in prayer. Let's, let us pray. Father God, we, we come into your presence and we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit as we come in prayer to you. Acknowledging that you are a holy God. Acknowledging that you are our creator. And when we look at creation, it tells us about your majesty, your power and your beauty. Yet we also see you revealed in your son, the Lord Jesus. When he came and lived on this earth, Lord, with the way he lived his life, he showed us what you were like. Lord, we thank you for his obedience in coming to this earth, in coming down to his creation, who mistreated him, who spat on him, who didn't want anything to do with him. Yet he showed that you are a God of love by being willing to die on the cross, by being willing to take the punishment for all those who would look to him in faith for salvation, for forgiveness for the wrong that they had done. Thank you for he was willing to do that, to restore that relationship with you, Father God. Lord, we pray that each of us that know you as our Father, each of us that know you, that know your Son as our Saviour, Lord, may our hearts go out in praise and worship and thankfulness to you for what you have done in our lives. Lord, may that be a daily theme in our lives. Lord, we pray for those who who want to know you as their Saviour. Lord God, we pray that you would encourage them. We pray that you would teach them from your word. We pray that you would draw them in love to yourself. Lord God, we also ask if there are any here who who do not know you, who are careless, who are not interested. Lord God, we pray that you would be merciful and gracious to them. We pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them of their sin. We pray that he would point them to Jesus. We ask that for any that we know and love in our families, in our friendship groups, Lord, as we pray for them, We ask that through the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus you would draw them to yourself. We ask that your kingdom would grow, that souls would be added to your kingdom here on this earth. Lord God, we ask that you would open blind eyes, that you would unstop deaf ears, that you would break hard hearts. Lord, we're so thankful that we can call your Son, the Lord Jesus, the friend of sinners. We can look to him as our friend. And as we've just sung, there's so many things that we can bring to you as our friend. Our Lord, and it's our failing that we don't bring them, Lord, straight away. We don't bring all of them. Lord God, just as we would share with a close friend here on earth, Lord, may you be that close friend we can bring anything to. Lord, seeking your help. And Lord God, as we live in a sinful world. Lord, we know we need you to help us. Lord, the conflicts around the world demonstrate the evil that man is capable of. And Lord, we know our sinful natures too. And that's why we thank you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for his willingness to help us. Lord, as each of us think about our lives, each of us thinks of the challenges that we face, Lord, whether that's at work, whether that's with illness, whether that's as we get old and can't do what we used to do, Lord, we pray that we would look to you for strength, for peace, for for support, for comfort in whatever uh, we are doing. Lord God, we, we pray for parents as they bring up their children. Lord, in this difficult world, Lord, you know each and every one of them. We ask that you would help parents to bring up their children in a way that honours you. But Lord, we we feel sometimes that we are fighting a battle that we are losing. Help us to bring them to you in prayer, knowing that you're a God who can change them and we ask that our children will be following you as their saviour. Lord God, 
we remember uh, John this week. We ask that you would help him tomorrow as he takes the funeral of, of Matt's dad. Ask you to help him at that, that unhappy occasion. We pray that you would be with Matt and Arabella, Lord and the children and the rest of the family. We pray that perhaps through that funeral, Lord, you would use John in a way that would draw people to you and to following you. Lord God, we ask that as we read our Bibles day by day, that they would be a lamp to our feet and a light to a path. They would be what guides us through this difficult world. We thank you that we have had opportunity in the men's event on Wednesday and at the ladies' retreat yesterday to study your word further. We ask, Lord, that it would not just be informative. We ask that it would not just be for knowledge's sake, but we pray that it would be transformative and it would change our lives as we want to become more like Jesus. Help each of us who were at those different events to pray through those verses. And Lord, may we become, as they describe, may we become more like Jesus, our Saviour. Lord God, we commit the Swansons to you in Cyprus. We pray you'd help them in all they do there. We pray for Rosie as she goes out there this week. We pray that it may be a time of mutual encouragement for them both. And may you bless their time together. Lord God, we commit Mark to you now. We pray and ask that you would help him as he brings your word to us. Again, Lord, we ask that the word would, you would be using the word to transform our life, to encourage us, to lift us up, perhaps even to rebuke us, to change us, to bring us closer to you. And we ask this for your honour and glory. Amen. Well, before Mark comes, we're going to have our, our third hymn. Our third hymn, which is My Song is Love Unknown. Again, there's a friendship theme in here, and I'll leave you to see that as we sing it through. Let's stand as the music starts.
the uh, TV shows that I've particularly enjoyed watching over recent years is MasterChef, and uh, particularly the professionals a version of it. And uh, one of my favourite episodes, if they still do this, is where um, when it gets to about the final week, they send them off to one of the, the best and most innovative restaurants uh, somewhere in the world. And uh, I remember a few years ago they went to a restaurant in Spain and the cooking was just sensational. They kind of mix sort of scientific techniques um, with this sort of this creativity and this art and it was just sort of pure theatre, really, this, this food that they were cooking. And uh, the contestants get to watch the chefs cook these meals, and they get to learn from them as they're doing it. And it's their chance to learn from some of the best in the world. Well, tonight, I'm afraid we're not looking at food. That may disappoint some of you. We're looking at friendship again. And at last week, we looked at Solomon, pretty wise, as we saw. And just quickly, I wonder if that's impacted you at all this week because you've been thinking about some of the wisdom we took in last week. I wonder if that's had an impact on any of your friendships this week. But tonight, we're learning from the best of the best. We're learning from the Son of God. We're learning from Jesus himself. And uh, firstly, what we're going to do is we're going to look briefly at Jesus' friendships. So we're going to go through them quite quickly. Look at his friendships. Look at his experiences in them. Some quick things we can learn. Then we're going to see how he sets the standard for friendship. And then we're going to see exactly what he tells us to do. So firstly, let's have a quick look at uh, some of Jesus' friends. I wonder if you were to name Jesus' friends, who might you think of? Well, we're going to start briefly, as I say, with Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Mary, Martha and Lazarus. We see just how much this friendship meant to Jesus when Lazarus dies in John 11. And uh, do you remember Jesus goes to the, the tomb and he weeps bitterly. He's crying and people there stand and they, um, they, they whisper to each other and say, look at, look at how much he loved him. Look at what a friend he was to him. And there's this incredibly close bond between Jesus and Lazarus and Mary and Martha. And where did it all start? Where did that friendship start? It started with simple hospitality. This is what it says in Luke 10, verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. See, having people around to your house, or going around to other people's houses, is a great way to build up friendships. And uh, I'm so thankful that many of you here do it regularly, And you do it intentionally to build up friendships. And it's something I'd really recommend. I know some of us find it easier than others. Some of you love it. Some of you maybe find it quite draining. But I recommend doing it. It's so good for building up friendships and it's something we should seek to do. So Mary, Martha and Lazarus. Well, who else? Well, unsurprisingly, the disciples. Disciples are going to take the the biggest chunk of this section. Remember at the beginning, Jesus called them to follow him. He said, leave what you're doing, follow me. They didn't have any qualifications. They weren't the high achievers of society. But Jesus says, come and follow me. And they were his disciples. And of course, Jesus was their teacher. He was their rabbi. He was their leader. And yet, even despite that, he calls them his friends. That's what he says in John 15, verse 15. He read this in uh, session one of the series, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I've called you friends, for all that I've heard from my father, I have made known to you. See, if there's a master and a servant, the master doesn't always tell the servant what he's up to, does he? The master might say, well, I want you to, you know, cut that hedge. I want you to trim that tree or whatever. He he gives him roles to do, but he doesn't explain everything. He doesn't sort of share all his feelings. He doesn't say everything he's up to. He just tells the servant what to do. But Jesus does so much more than that. He shares his life with his disciples. He shares his work with the disciples. And so what he's doing is he's sharing everything that he hears from the Father, he shares with his disciples. Do you remember, we looked last week a little bit, about one of the, the signs of friendship, of close friendship, is that you share things together. So we see this this friendship with the disciples. 
but especially with Peter, James and John. So this is where you especially see this friendship with Peter, James and John. Peter, James and John have been uh, following Jesus the longest. They were his closest friends. And they got to experience things and see things that the other disciples just didn't get to see. And certainly other people didn't get to see. So for example, in, uh, in Mark 5, they got to go with Jesus when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. All the others were barred. They weren't allowed in. But they were allowed in. They saw exactly what happened. At the start of Matthew 17, we read this. John mentioned it very quickly this morning. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as a light. And then a bit later, he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This was this terrifying but awe-inspiring event that only they got to see. The other disciples didn't. Many others didn't. But they got to see it. When Jesus uh, goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, you might remember just before he's uh, executed, he takes his disciples with him and he tells them to sit. He says, just just sit here for a bit, I'm going to carry on. But then he takes Peter, James and John and he goes on a bit further. And with them, he doesn't just say sit, he says, watch, stay awake with me. You see, he knows they're tired, but these are his close friends. And and he says this, he says, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch or keep awake with me. You see, he's really relying on them here. He's saying, you're my close friends, please stay awake with me. Please just, just watch with me. And then obviously he goes on a bit further. And many of us know, don't we, that sadly his disciples let him down. They can't stay awake. But these three friends have got to witness the most awesome moments of Jesus' life, but also the darkest moment of Jesus' life. So why has Jesus got these friends? I think it's partly for encouragement, partly for support. Sure, he would have enjoyed spending time with them most of the time. They weren't very good at encouragement a lot of the time. But it's also so he can use his friendship to especially train up these men, because these guys are going to be the ones that are going to head up the church. They're going to have a major role in in building up the church, in proclaiming the news about Jesus. When, When Jesus has gone back, these are the guys that are going to take over. And having seen so much from Jesus, and having heard so much from Jesus, they are brilliantly equipped to be able to take on that role for the kingdom. Uh, Matt, uh, sorry, Michael Hyatt has written a book called uh, The Leadership Strategy of Jesus. And uh, he says this, he says, uh, rather than sort of try and teach everyone, Jesus focused on true depth and long-term impact. True depth and long-term impact. He invested heavily in these three friends of his so that they could go on and do much good. They could be powerful ambassadors for his kingdom when he had gone. Now our situation is obviously very different to Jesus's and to, to his close disciples. But it's just made me think a little bit this week, reflect a little bit on just the value of having really deep friendships for the sake of the kingdom. So just think about your deep friendships just for a moment. Do you use them to equip each other or to equip others and to sharpen each other so that you're more useful in those friendships for the kingdom of God. Maybe it's something you can chat to your friends about. Well, Jesus' friends were a, a big blessing to him but they also caused him a lot of pain. You know, when we have true friends, one of the things we do is we open up ourselves to the the vulnerability, to the the possibility of getting hurt. 
And uh, Peter was someone who really hurt him. So just focusing particularly on Peter now. Most of us, if not all of us here tonight, will know the story well of Peter denying Jesus. Do you remember he swears blind that he would never deny Jesus? Just before this he said, I'll happily die for you, Jesus. And yet here he is, denying Jesus. And there's that little phrase that comes just after Peter denies Jesus for the third time that is just so powerful. So Peter denies him the third time, the cock crows, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. Now, I don't know how long that look of Jesus towards Peter lasted for, but I can imagine that was etched into Peter's memory for a long time, can't you? But in the kindness of Jesus, that friendship is restored. We looked at it a little while ago with John. John Kiley opened up that passage to us. There's a necessary process of reconciliation. It's not a particularly comfortable uh, process for Peter to go through. But nevertheless, through the kindness of Jesus, that friendship is restored. And actually, at the end of it, Jesus says to Peter, actually, one day you will die for me. But of course, not all friendship betrayals end in restoration. And so next, briefly, we'll look at Judas. Judas. I was reading uh, the account of uh, Judas this week, of Judas betraying Jesus. And again, just a little bit, just really stood out to me as I read it. Jesus just finished praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says to his disciples, get up, we're going. And he says, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus knows exactly what's going on. And then Judas arrives with this great crowd of people. They've got swords uh, and they've got clubs. This is what it says in Matthew 26. And Judas came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And this is the bit that struck me. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Jesus has uh, been such a friend to Judas. This is just pure betrayal. It's just pure greed for money. Now Judas was never reconciled with Jesus. And full of remorse but not repentance, he goes out and he hangs himself. It was a complete and utter betrayal. There was no kind of, you know, sometimes you get this, you know, where there's two sides of the story. You know, there was none of this with that. It was betrayal. Jesus was entirely innocent. It must have been so painful for him. And yet, and yet, look at the good that came out of it. By his blood, we are cleansed. By his blood, we are cleansed. Through Jesus' death, we get to see his greatest glory. Now, obviously, it's very different for us. God had a very special plan for Jesus as his son. Of course, he did. But, you know, when we are hurt or when we're betrayed, and I suspect a good number of us here have been and have probably been wounded quite deeply, you know, God can still bring good out of those situations. However unjust it is, however wrong it is, however unfair we feel it is, you know, God can still do good from that situation. We know, don't we, it's a well-known verse, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Even if we can sometimes never possibly see how that can happen, it's a promise we need to hold on to. And maybe we need to pray more that God will do his work through it. And how might he bring good out of a situation like that? Well, it might be that God does bring reconciliation. A wonderful thing if it can happen. It might be that actually God uses a, a Christian's response to show them or to show others around them of, of how uh, Christ is. It might be that God uses that situation to refine our character. 
It might be that it's simply us realising just quite how amazing it is that God would choose to forgive someone like us because we realise how hard forgiveness is. You know, God can bring good out of even situations like that and I hope that encourages you. And I think it's also just worth a quick word as well to anyone who... um, Anyone who's maybe given up on friendship a little bit. So maybe if you're sort of getting through life yourself and you're thinking, you know, I don't need to be dependent on anyone. Or maybe it's that um, you've found out the hard way that not everyone can be trusted and you've been let down by someone. I want to encourage you that Jesus knows that feeling and other people in the Bible know it too. David knew it well. Other people here know it well. But I want to say that true friendship is too valuable and too necessary to give up on. So if that's you, just want to encourage you, still seek true friendships. Yes, sometimes it can hurt, but it's too valuable, it's too necessary to give up on. Well, Jesus' friends, who else? Well, one last one that I want to speak about briefly. Tax collectors and sinners. Of course, this is what people said about him. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. We thought this morning about God's holiness, if you were here. God's holiness, and yet how he stoops down to, to speak to us. And then John reminded us at the end of how Jesus, we see it ultimately in Jesus, how he comes to live with us. The Son of God doesn't just come to to hang out with the religious elites. He chooses to hang out with the ones that actually the religious elites shun. The the worst of the worst, at least in society's eyes. The people that are sort of at the bottom of the moral hierarchy in society's eyes. And if you remember something from last week, you may think, well, that doesn't sound very wise. Do you remember what one of the, the proverbs we thought about, the fact that you become like the people you're with? You may say, well, well, Jesus, that doesn't sound very wise. You're hanging out with those people. But Jesus knows that when he, when he spends time with people, he will be the one transforming them, that they will become like him. So he didn't spend much time with this woman, but when he met the woman caught in adultery, he forgives her and he says, go and sin no more. When he goes to the dinner party at Zacchaeus' house, what happens? Well, Zacchaeus repents and he repays. And he repays more than he ever took. Jesus' chat with the woman at the well, he, in a very short time, he turns her into an incredibly fruitful missionary. This is what Jesus does. He transforms people. He transforms sinners. Now, Jesus is not a friend to them in that he enjoys the same things that they're doing, that he does the same things as them. He doesn't become like them. He's a friend in that he reveals himself to them. He points them to repentance and obedience. He he tells them to follow him. And he gives them everlasting life. That's how he's a friend. And we too are called to make disciples of all nations. And one of the, one of the, the best ways uh, to do this is to make friends, to build friendships with people who don't yet know Jesus. But we do need to be careful. Our hearts are so deceitful. We're not Jesus. And um, we need to be careful that we don't get dragged into the same sort of lifestyle, the same sort of things they're doing if it's wrong. But rather what we need to do is we need to reveal Jesus to them, just like Jesus did. We need to show them the the forgiveness that we've experienced. We need to point them towards the life that Jesus gives. So if if you're building up friendship, show them Jesus. Show them Jesus. So we've thought briefly about Jesus' friends and some some quick lessons from it just want us to briefly think as well about this. Jesus is the best friend. Jesus is the best friend. One of the things that I love about MasterChef, the professionals, uh, 
is just seeing their mind being blown as they see what's possible, as they see new things being done, as they sort of experience new levels of cooking. You know, there are levels within cooking, aren't there? And as they experience those new levels, often they're just sort of, they're just trying to take it all in. And as we look at what Jesus does in his friendship, it's as if we're unlocking new levels of friendship. As we see what he does, it's like we see the greatest act of friendship, the greatest friend that we could ever see. Jesus himself tells us in John 15, this is the greatest act of friendship possible, is that someone lays down their life for their friends. If you're a Christian here tonight, Jesus laid down his life for you. It's the ultimate self-sacrificial act of friendship. And because of that, we can know him as our friend. As Martin says, that, that doesn't mean we can call him mate. But neither does it mean that, that we live with him in, in some sort of distant thing that we're, we're so in awe that we miss out on his friendship. One person puts it like this. Jesus offers himself to us as both our cosmic ruler and our closest friend. Our cosmic ruler and our closest friend. It would do us good to hold on to both of those things. Not only does he give us his life as our friend, but he is also a great friend to us in our life. We sung, didn't we, uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. This is some of the things we sang. He bears our our, uh, sins and our griefs against him. He's so faithful. He shares in our sorrows. He knows our weaknesses. He shields us when our friends forsake us. Those were some of the things we sang. He knows our failures, but he loves us more. He strengthens us in our struggles. He comforts us in our sorrows. He encourages us in our trials. He promises to love us to the end. And in fact, later on in the Bible, we find out that he loved us from before the foundations of the world. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. In his uh, book, True Friendship, Vaughan Roberts writes this. I like this story. The story is told of Shah Abbas of uh, Persia who was frustrated at his inability to make friends. Whenever he met people, they would bow down to him in respect and fear. So he found it impossible to develop real intimacy with anyone. He therefore decided to take off his royal robes and go to the servants' quarters in disguise to see who he could meet. Right at the bottom of the palace, he found the stoker who kept the fire burning with which heated the building. They chatted and got on so well that Abbas continued to go to him over many weeks and they became very close. After a while, he thought it was time to reveal his true identity. I am Abbas, your Shah, he said, and you are my friend. So I want to give you anything you ask for, up to half my kingdom. The stoker replied, you have already given me the most precious thing this life affords, your friendship. I ask for nothing more. Well, Jesus has given us his friendship and it's the most precious thing this world can afford. If I can just take you back to uh, just a master chef one final time. Once, uh, once the contestants have had their minds blown and once they've watched the chef cook these incredible meals with all these different techniques and theatre they then have to go away and create their own dish. And sometimes they have to do a different dish, but they have to apply the same principles and the same sort of techniques that they've witnessed, and they have to come up with their own thing. Well, here's the daunting thing for us tonight. If we're a follower of Jesus, we're not simply here to watch Jesus being a friend. Finally, he, Jesus commands us to emulate him or to copy him. Jesus commands us to emulate him. When you think of Jesus being your friend, what are the sort of things you think of? 
It's all too easy, isn't it, to think of all the things that he can do for us. It's not a bad thing to remember. In his grace, he can do wonderful things for us. But if that's all we think about, if all we think about is what he can do for us, then we're missing something really important. Because we need to remember what we need to do for him. This is what John 15 verse 12 says, This is my commandment. Just notice, this is a command, it's not a suggestion, it's not advice. Jesus says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. You are my friends if you love one another. Raises the question, doesn't it? Are we being a friend to Jesus by obeying his command? If we are to be a friend like Jesus, if we're to love like Jesus, we're to love without limits. We're to love self-sacrificially. We're to be generous in our friendship. We're to be willing to give everything we've got to bless others. I think Jesus' instructions about having a dinner party or a banquet in in Luke 14 are really quite thought-provoking here. So Martin read it for us. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbours, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Jesus isn't saying here that we can't have birthday parties with friends. He's not saying you can't celebrate Christmas with your family this year. That's not what he's saying. But what he's pointing out here, especially to the person that's organised this party, is that we can so quickly befriend people or be friends with people because of what we get back. Because of what we get out of it. But Jesus wants us to befriend people, be friendly to people who can't pay us back. He wants us to take on his level of friendship, of self-sacrificial friendship that seeks to bless others and doesn't seek anything else in return. Those sorts of friendships are very Christ-like. One of the things I love, and some of you here do it really, really well, is being real friends to people who don't give you the same level of friendship back. Or maybe where you don't get the same level of enjoyment that you give to them. Or sometimes you you miss out on being with your close friends because you're being with someone else that you're befriending at that time. But why do you do it? You do it because your hearts are so full of love, so full of Christ's love, that you just want to bless others. You, you want to share that friendship of Christ with those who need it so much. And I just want to encourage those of you who do it, it's such a blessing to see, and it's wonderful to see. And if you don't do it, well, it's a challenge to us, isn't it? And as we befriend others with Christ love, what we find is that we we bond with people that we wouldn't wouldn't maybe necessarily naturally bond with. This is what uh, Rebecca McLaughlin says in her book on friendship. She says there's zero chance that Matthew the tax collector and Simon the zealot would have selected one another on a friend connection app. Or that Mary Magdalene, from whom Jesus had cast out seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, who had left King Herod's court to travel around with Jesus, would have been close friends in any other context. When Jesus calls his followers to love each other, just like he loves them, he's not going with the grain of natural friendship. He is calling people who might never have gone near each other into sacrificial love relationships. Likewise, we should be ready to form Christian friendships with those utterly unlike us. It's a challenge, isn't it? 
But Jesus says, you know what, if you do that, if you do that, then other people will look at those friendships and they will know you are my disciples because the friendship that you are displaying within those friendships is unlike anyone else. It is only like Jesus. So I just want to finish by saying Jesus is the best friend. And he commands us to emulate him. So let's pray that God would help us to do that. And let's pray that as we do that, other people would look and would see that we are Jesus' disciples and that they too would experience his friendship. Well, we're going to stand and sing. And uh, I've chosen this song just because it, it speaks so much about friendship. I thought the words are particularly helpful. So just as we sing this, try and really reflect on on what we're singing. thank you for the time that we've spent in your word this evening Lord we thank you for it Lord we thank you for Jesus for the friend he is Lord we have skimmed over so much this evening Lord we could have many series out of some of the things we've looked at tonight but Lord we thank you for it I pray that it would do us good Lord we thank you that you are the greatest friend Lord you laid down your life for us and Lord I just pray Lord for anyone here tonight who does not know that Lord that they would cry out to you and that you and your mercy would forgive them and that they would know for themselves that you have laid down your life for them it is the most wonderful thing 
Lord, I pray that those of us who know you may delight in your friendship and that there may be something that encourages us and strengthens us as we go into the week. But Lord, I also pray, Lord, that we would be friends who obey you. Lord, that we would reflect that love. Lord, how we need your help to do it. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we reflect that self-sacrificial love, Lord, that people may see us and through us may see you and that you may be glorified. And that your friendship and your love may spread around this town, around our workplaces, around our homes. Lord, to the honour and the glory of your name. Lord, I pray, Lord, that as we go away from this place, Lord, that we wouldn't forget it as we go into the car park, as we head home, as we go into our Monday mornings. But, Lord, that this would be something that impacts us and transforms us by the power of the Spirit. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.